Hey, Common Ground Church and everyone listening, Evan Fowler here coming to you from episode two of our Jesus in the Old Testament podcast, where we are looking at the I am statement from the previous week's sermon and then just taking a deep dive into the Old Testament connection there. Because as we have been talking about each one of the I am statements that Jesus made in the Gospel of John was also the fulfillment of a specific revelation of God from the Old Testament. So we're digging deep into that connection, looking at how Jesus, as the bread of life, has a deep connection to the Old Testament. And that's what we're going to look at today, because we talked about Jesus being the bread of life, and now we're going to look at a very famous Old Testament story about bread, and that is God providing manna in the wilderness during the Exodus. And we're going to see how Jesus was revealed in that manna back then during the Exodus. So as we mentioned, Jesus claiming to be the bread of life has a direct connection to another story about bread, and that is the famous story of the Israelites receiving manna in the wilderness. And if you're familiar with that story, then you'd know that the Israelites had been slaves for 450 years, and then they were freed. God freed them after the miraculous season of all the plagues and all the different things. But then, as soon as they got away after the Red Sea and after all that, they were just wandering around in the desert with no food. And it was a harsh desert, middle of nowhere, thousands of people, and frankly, things were looking pretty dire and it was looking bad. It was looking like they might have just wandered out into the desert to die. And so God told Moses what he was going to do for them, and he was going to provide for them. And this story is all in Exodus chapter 16, where where in verse 4, God says that I will rain down bread from heaven for you. Um, and, the, and then he instructed them about how the people were going to go out each day and gather this bread. And God said that in this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions, because one of the main purposes of their 40 years of wandering in the desert was not just, you know, to take the scenic route to the promised land, but it was to create in them a dependence on God, to make them God's people, to to create a relationship with God. And so the manna, like many of the things during the Exodus, the manna was a test. It was a test to see whether or not the, the Israelites would make God their God and whether or not they would obey him, whether or not they would follow his instructions. But, (laughs) what do you think? Do you think they followed the instructions? Uh, Not exactly. Um, It was a test to see if they would obey him, to see if they would be thankful for him. And what you see when you read that story in Exodus uh, chapter 16 or uh, all through uh, Numbers 11 is you see people complaining, grumbling, whining. And God gave them food out in the wilderness. They would have been dead without it. And what you see over and over again Uh, is how much they complain. Um, And actually, it's in Exodus chapter 16. The word grumbling there in the NIV is used like five or six times. They are just grumbling, grumbling, grumbling. And it says that, that they thought, you know, they thought they were grumbling against Moses um, and against Aaron. And, you know, they were complaining to him saying, why did you bring us out into the wilderness? But God didn't take it as them grumbling against Moses's leadership. God took it personally as if they were complaining against God, because after all, God was the one who saved them and who brought them out of Egypt, and God was the one providing this manna. But, nonetheless, they were complaining. 
They were complaining. Uh, they were also breaking some of the rules when it came to uh, the mana. You know, they were supposed to only gather enough for the day. Uh, and then on the Sabbath, the day before the Sabbath, was the only time they could ever gather more than one day's worth. Uh, but some of them, you know, tried to get ahead. They thought, maybe I will, uh, I'll gather a little extra for the next day. And they tried to save it under their pillows. It got rotten. They tried to do all these things, breaking the rules that God had set in place for them for the manna. And so God was not happy about that, of course, right? That this test that they were supposed to be working on was not working, you know? That they were supposed to be obeying God's instructions and they were not following his instructions. And instead they were just complaining. And in Numbers chapter 11, they were talking about how good they remember it being in Egypt before they were out in the wilderness, right? They talked about how they, you know, had all these melons and this meat and this food and just how nice it was to be slaves in Egypt. And if we know anything about slavery and anything about um, Egyptian slavery and the conditions that the Israelites were in, we know that it was not this paradise that they dreamt of, that the very reason God rescued them was because of how harsh they were being treated in Egypt. But yet, nonetheless, they were so complaining about this manna, they were so bored with it, that they even fantasized about being a slave in Egypt instead of having to eat this manna, right? Kind of crazy, kind of silly, um, because it, you know, I guess it makes sense. After 40 years of eating the exact same thing, you might get kind of tired. Um, but really, there's no, no reason that they should have thought that the, that the manna was that bad. And they even, it's recorded in uh, Numbers chapter 11 that they were even getting pretty creative with it, right? They were like mashing it up into cakes, and they were mixing it with other things that they could find and, you know, making all these fancy, you know, manna-type foods, right? Banana nut bread, right? I'm sure they were making manicotti. But nonetheless, it wasn't good enough for them, right? They just complained, and they were mad at God for the fact that all they had to eat was manna. So God got mad with them. God got mad with them. And in Numbers 21, uh, after 10 chapters of them complaining... Um, they essentially said, so they're complaining about the manna, they're complaining about it, and they essentially said that this manna is worthless. And they essentially said that this manna is not any good for them. The reality is that they would have been dead without God's provision of manna, and yet here they say it to his face that this food is worthless. That the very thing that God saved their life with, they now don't really care about. And so God's anger was stirred, and God punished them. And he punished them by sending little snakes out into the camp everywhere. That these venomous snakes broke out, and they started slithering around the camp. They were biting people left and right. Everybody's getting bit. People are dying all over the place. There's just snakes all over. And so, Moses was told by God, okay, here, here's how you get out of this. Make a bronze snake and put it on a pole, this big pole, and anyone who gets bit by a snake will look at this bronze snake on the pole, and while you're looking at that, you won't die. You won't die if you got bit by a snake. And so they do this. And, and if you're curious at why there's that, um, there's that logo on a lot of ambulances or hospitals or even pharmacies, there is like this pole with a snake wrapped around it. Um, that's actually the star of life. 
And this is where it comes from. It comes from a snake on a brass pole um, that here uh, during the Exodus, God gave them in order to save them from this punishment that he had inflicted on them, right? Uh, the problem is, like many things, that healing became an idol for the people. Uh, people were worshiping it, and eventually, later in the Bible, they had to smash it and destroy it because people were uh, worshiping the bronze snake. But nonetheless, that that was originally, before it became an idol, it was originally supposed to be a representation of Jesus here, right? Because the snakes, the snakes represented sin, and snakes throughout the Old Testament have always represented sin or rebellion. And here, in this situation, we know that Jesus, who knew no sin, he became sin. And we know that Jesus was hung on a pole just as this bronze snake was put on a pole. And this symbol, you know, when you look upon the cross, just as you look upon this bronze snake, um, that the sin that is slithering around, the snake, when it bites you, you will not die. But in Jesus's case, you'll have everlasting life if you look on him. And so there's a connection there, even just the punishment for rejecting the manna, you see Jesus there as well. But there were also just a clear representation of Jesus and the manna. Because the manna was their only option. And for us, Jesus is our only option for salvation. You know, they would be dead without the manna. They had nothing else to eat. It is eat this manna or die. And here for us today, frankly, that's our option as well. Jesus is the bread of God. Jesus is the only bread that we have. And if we don't eat it, then we'll be consumed. Then we will starve. Then we will die. If we grumble about it and we don't look to the cross, then we'll be consumed by the snakes and by the sin all around us. And so that is one of the ways that this manna represents Jesus, is that the manna is the only option. And for us, Jesus is our only option. And of course, we know, as we talked about, just food being a universal human need in the same way Jesus is a universal human need, like we talked about at Sunday. And then there are a lot of other really interesting connections between Jesus and manna that you could go into for a long time. Um, some of the ones that just are the most obvious are the fact that, you know, manna was white, it was small, and it was round. Right, And there was nothing particularly attractive or delicious looking about it, which is something that has been described of Jesus. Um, but the fact that it was white symbolizes purity. And in the Hebrew uh, poetry or in Hebrew scriptures or in their understanding of what they taught about manna from that point on, they recognized that the white symbolized purity. And the fact that it was small and round symbolizes the simplicity and the meekness. And if you know anything about Jesus, our Savior, you know that he was the one who was without sin, that he was truly the only pure human. And he was a simple, meek man, right? There was nothing particularly attractive about him other than the fact that he was definitely very charismatic and intelligent. Um, there was nothing that would just bring you to him from a physical sense and make you think that, oh, this must be the guy. He wasn't particularly tall, wasn't particularly muscular, wasn't particularly handsome. Jesus was just a pure, simple, meek man. The manna was also free, right? The, it just came down from heaven. They didn't even have to do anything to get it. 
And this is really one of the sad aspects about their kind of rebellion and their complaining about mana is that literally all they had to do was bend over and pick it up. And even though they might have complained, you know, God, why can't you just fill our bellies right away? Why actually make us bend over and pick it up? Well, because essentially faith is kind of a similar act, right? Where where faith is a free gift. It doesn't cost anything. It is there for us to accept. It is there for us to pick up. We do, in faith, have to make that commitment to to go out, to bend over, and to accept it. To, to get down on our knee and to grab that manna and to feast on it. And in the same way, Jesus' salvation is a free gift, but we do have to make that decision to gather it, to accept it, just like the manna was. And then another just quick connection is that the manna was gathered daily, right? And Jesus said that we are to take up our cross daily. That knowing Christ is about following him. That even though it's a free gift and we can make that decision once and then we are a follower forever, um, just as the uh, kind of offensive uh, cannibalism analogy, right? You can eat human flesh one time and guess what? Now you are a cannibal. (laughs) Just like making a commitment to faith, you make that commitment to faith once and you are now a follower of Jesus. But nonetheless, he calls us to relationship and to a daily walk with him. And just as manna must be gathered every day, so too. Uh, must our relationship with Christ be gathered and consumed daily? And so when it comes to Jesus and this this connection between manna, uh, we just see so many beautiful connections of Jesus reminding the people that he is the one that God has provided in order to save them, in order to give life, that he is the only option And if you don't like that option, well, you can starve or you can get bit by snakes. (laughs) But salvation in life depends on accepting his free gift. And it truly was free. And all we have to do is pick it up and accept it. And to commit to this rhythm of gathering daily. Of walking with Jesus daily and pursuing him every single day of our life. And so that is where Jesus is in the Old Testament story about the manna. So hopefully that helps you to see the connection between Jesus and the manna from the Exodus, right? This thing that God gave the Israelites in order to keep them alive when they were helpless and in the wilderness. And for us, that is exactly who Jesus is, right? We were helpless in the wilderness and God provided. And Jesus is our only option, right? That we accept Jesus. He is the only way to salvation. He's the only way to God. He's the only way to life. And if we don't accept Jesus, well, then we could starve or we could get bit by snakes and be consumed by sin, right? He's the only option. And then we looked at some of just the the little connections, just like manna, you know, being white and small and round and and just the purity and the the simplicity and the meekness and, and the fact that manna was free. It just fell from heaven. It was just there, just as Jesus has provided salvation as a free gift. And the fact that the manna was gathered daily, right? We too are called to take up our cross and to follow Jesus daily, just as they were called to pick up the manna in the wilderness. And so for you this week, may you feast on the Zoe bread that Jesus provides, on the life that comes from his Holy Spirit. And may you continue to walk daily, gathering up your fill 
Uh, and may you, in your relationship with Christ, recognize the reality that you have life and that you will never grow hungry. And may you not fall into the trap um, that the Israelites gave of grumbling, grumbling about the provision of God. And even in, you know, this chapter of John that we read, the people were grumbling and complaining and Jesus said, stop grumbling. <laughs> but be thankful for the provision and for the life that God has provided. Thank you.